0: I fit in well with that age group over there. We are going to do things a little bit differently today. Um, We're going to kind of break apart uh, the time that we spend in in the Word with some worship. Uh, And so we're going to do a couple of songs like we just did. And then uh, we're going to dive in. We're going to take communion, do a little bit more worship. And then we're going to dive into a little bit of the scripture again. We're starting a new series uh, this week called You Belong, and it's with a question mark. We did a You Belong series a couple of months ago, and the reason we're doing this one, it's because it's a little bit different than the last one. The You Belong that we did originally was You Belong, in other words, everybody is invited. And so, uh, you know, we see in scripture that, that it is God's will for none, and I repeat that word, none to perish. He doesn't want anybody to perish. In fact, he he wants everybody uh, to experience eternal life through him. And so we see that in the scripture, and we talked about that. And so you have been invited to the party and and to be part of the kingdom of God. Now, there's a difference, though, between being invited and really, really belonging. And what that means is, what is your part in in that involvement? And so that's what we're going to talk about now. Uh, Because the question then is, do you belong? You've been invited, but, but you can be invited, you can go and sit in a corner somewhere by yourself and not participate at all whatsoever in the kingdom of God. You can do that. And so where are you at when, it, when we're talking about your relationship with God, your responsibility when it comes uh, to your faith? And so we're going to dive in to the scripture and we're going to look at this. A little bit now we see this in in real life often in fact uh, my wife just had a conversation uh, that I was involved with with our uh, almost 17 he's gonna be 17 in May uh, our 16 and a half year old son because there's a time when we have to have these conversations which like listen now it's time for you to not be a consumer anymore and to start becoming a producer it's time for you to start being involved with the family and helping the family it's not cool anymore at your age to yell out, "Mom, I'm done going potty. Can you come in and help me?" Right? That's not cool anymore. When you're 16 and a half years old, it's time to put that stuff behind. It's time to move forward, and it's time to really take your your place and your responsibilities. And and of course, he's he's done a good job. He he pays for uh, some of his gas and. You know, works some and, and earns money to be able to buy, you know, his clothes and some shoes and things like that. And so it's really cool to see somebody turn into that. Well, that's the way it is so often in our faith as well. Often when we accept Christ, we're, we're infants when it comes to uh, our spiritual life. And we have to be fed, we have to be taught, we have to grow up. But as we grow, we should progress. In our independence and in our ability to be producers when it comes to the kingdom of God and not just consumers. Infants require 100% somebody else to do the work for them. They require that. But as they get a little older, they can start to go potty on their own. They can kind of do their, their own thing. They can no longer need you to do the airplane to feed them. You start putting their food on their little tray and they eat it themselves and that's kind of how it is uh, in our Christian walk as well. We have to have these conversations though, church, because we get stuck in the same thing where we start to consider ourselves or we start to forget that we got to grow up and there's, there's responsibilities that are ahead of us that we need to take part in. So just like in our physical lives, we go from infancy to childhood to adolescence to young adulthood to adulthood to elderly, we kind of do the same thing when it comes to our spiritual life. And we're going to see that of course, uh, in the scripture as well. And so I, I would just encourage you to kind of ask yourself, where do you fit on that timeline, and, and do you belong? Because there, there comes a time, and I remember this time, where it's like, you know what, hey, there's a Christmas party coming up, and now I have to bring food. My mom used to always bring all the food, but now I'm not just invited, I'm a participant, meaning my family is coming, and I have to bring food, we have to bring presents, we have to bring our own stuff to be involved. And it's sad, church. It really is. Because you guys know people that have been invited to the party, and they go, and they sit in a corner, and they don't talk to anybody, and then they end up mad. Why? Nobody, nobody talked to me. Nobody hung out with me. I went to that party, and nobody, nobody was there for me. Well, you know, it said on your face, please don't talk to me. Please don't talk to me. That's what it said. And then you're going to blame other people. Well, so much of the same thing happens in the body of Christ. Gosh, I'm you know, I know I'm supposed to be a part, but I don't feel a part. Well, are you diving in? Are you participating? Or are you sitting in a corner that, with your face that says, you know what? Shut up and leave me alone. You know, what's, what's going on? Because you can be invited and still not belong. You can be invited and still not fit in. And so much of that fitting in, it, it falls on you. And I know Eli talked about this last week. You know, anytime you dive into something new, anytime you grow up, anything, anytime things change, it feels awkward, doesn't it? It feels awkward when you try and do something for the first time. It feels awkward. But you get to the place where it just becomes second nature. It just becomes a- habitual. It, it becomes so easy to do, and you can do it so fast. But you've got to make those choices. You've got to participate. So anyways, let's dive into some scripture here. I've got three of them. Uh, written down that I really want to talk about when it talks about uh, growing in the faith. So Ephesians 4 is where we're going to start. 11 11 through 16 So Christ himself gave the apostles the prophets, the evangelists the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service. I want to stop right there. See the job of pastors, well, let's go, apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists, is to equip his people, to equip the saints to do the work of service, to do the work of ministry. And I think that's important for us to realize. Who, who are the ministers of the gospel? That's us, right? Sometimes we get to this mindset or this position that, that we think it's going to fall on those five groups, and I don't fit in that. No, those five groups are to encourage you so that you can go out and do the work of the ministry. That, that's your job. You, you are not B-team. You are A-team. You are not JV Christians. You're varsity Christians. It's time to get in the game, church. It's time to get in the game. And so when he says this, it's like we're, we're here, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers are here to equip the people for the works of the... Today, junior. Anyways, <laughs> for the works of service... So that the body of Christ may be built up. So it's to equip you for works of service so that you may build up the body of Christ. You know you have a job. You have a duty. You're, you're supposed to participate as a believer in building up the church. And this is important, church, because I, I mean this. I don't see anywhere in the scripture where it talks about tearing down the church. And for some reason, we have gotten this idea as believers that we are going to build the church by tearing down other churches and other ministries. Doesn't work. Your job is to help each other to build up the church. So, so constantly, everything that comes out of your mouth, everything you post on Facebook or Instagram or whatever, it needs to be building up of the church, never tearing down of the church. Because you don't build something by tearing it down. You just don't. So it's time to build up. So anyways, let's go on. And read this. I love this here. To equip the people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. I have actually heard people ask the question before. Hey, is it still necessary that we have apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers? Well, the question then is this. Have we reached full maturity and unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ? Have we reached that? Well, no. So therefore, it still is important, isn't it? It's important that we have apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, and teachers. Because we're not to the place of complete unity yet. And, and, and once we get there, we won't need those anymore. But I don't think that's going to happen here on this earth. That, that's going to be something that takes place in eternity or in the second earth but that's a different teaching for a different story so it is important that we still have those why because they are there to equip the saints so that they can build up the church that's our job your job church is to be a participant to really belong to really be a part it means that you have a duty that you do participate that you have things that you bring to the table. And, and, and you, know, you might look at yourself and say, I don't have anything that I bring to the table. And, and my, my response to that would be uh, bull crap. Because all of us do. What happens so, so often is we, just like you see in the scripture, we hide our gifts, we hide our talents, we run from them, we don't use them. And therefore they kind of dwindle away. But if you start moving, if you start activating those gifts inside of you, you will be amazed at what comes out. You start taking steps forward in in ministry and what you feel like God has called you to do, you'll be amazed at the stuff that comes out. And and I've I've heard it said, you know, people will say, well, I don't know where to start. Well, your misery is your ministry. I've heard it said that. In other words, you walk into a place and you say, gosh, I don't really like uh, the way they do that. Well, it's time to get involved then. It's time to be the fix. It's time to be the solution. It's not time to be the complainer. It's time to step in. Because if you see something that, oh, my gosh, I can help with that. Well, then help with that. I mean, that's a good response. But oftentimes, we leave it up to somebody else. We just say, I don't like the way that is, and then move on. Well, your misery is your ministry. I've heard people say that, where if you see something that you don't think looks perfect, and by all means, there is nothing that looks perfect, then it's time to jump, in, jump on in and get involved. But let's, let's read on here. Okay? So we see this to the fullness of Christ, verse 14. Then we will no longer... Be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming instead speaking the truth in love we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is christ how many people want to be part of the mature body that is Christ. That's all of us, right? We want to be part of the mature body. What does that take? That takes pastors, prophets, evangelists, teachers, and apostles uh, pouring into us so that we can do the works of service to the world so that we can come into the true unity of the faith. This is so neat. But what does it require? It requires all hands on deck. That's what it requires. You, you, you can't sit back anymore and be like he says here, an infant tossed to and fro. You can't you have to grow up in your spiritual life you have to mature to the place where you know it's not every wind of doctrine that just tosses you back and forth not everything i remember uh, malachi um, which he's back here right now Uh, he's he's my oldest boy Um, grandpa convinced malachi that grape juice was not grape juice what was it elephant juice that grape juice was not grape juice. Malachi was just a little bitty kid. And he would walk into grandpa's and say, can I have some elephant juice? And grandpa would say, well, how do you get elephant juice? You squeeze an elephant. All right, let's go and get some elephant juice. And he would give him grape juice. Right? That's what happens when you're a toddler. You, you believe almost everything that is thrown at you. Right? Because, hey, I'm supposed to trust grandpa. He tells me the truth. Well, you know, sometimes grandpas don't always tell the truth. We know that. Grape juice is not elephant juice. It is indeed grape juice, and you do get it by squeezing grapes, not elephants. But that's one of the things that we do, right? Because toddlers, they believe everything that you tell them. See, as mature Christians, we learn and understand that, you know, even anointed ministers, they, they mess up at times. They miss it. But what, they, but what we have is we have this Word of God that we get to compare every single thing to. And, and it actually tells us to do that. That we are to test the spirits, to see if, if the reality of what is preached is real. And we have this to do that. And I would encourage you that, that there is no person out there that you should ever believe everything that they say. Right? Because your faith is based on, on the connection you have with the Spirit of God and on His Word of God and not based on the ministry of somebody else. You know, I, I had a, a book that I recommended to a friend recently recently and it was by a, a minister that um, has beliefs that are different than mine and different than his in one little area. And he said, I can't read that. He, he believes this. I said, well, I know he believes that, you know, and I don't agree with it, but are you telling me his entire ministry is invalid now? It goes the other direction, right? His entire ministry? is No, he's done so many incredible things for the faith. Yeah, I think he's a little off in that doctrine. I do. But he is an anointed minister. He is. And God has put something on his heart to teach people. And, and there is some good stuff in here. But you have to learn to eat the hay, as my dad would say, and throw out the sticks. Isn't that true? And that is a sign of maturity. Gosh, I'm, I'm, I'm preaching way longer than I was supposed to. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I'm on a roll. Hebrews 6, 1 and 2. And we're not going to read, read this. But it talks about moving beyond the elementary things and on to maturity. First Peter 2 2 says, crave the spiritual milk so that you may grow up. You see, church, it's time for us to grow up. It's time for us to step out into maturity, to become producers, to become part of the body, to really belong, which means that we have a job, that we participate, that we're not just consumers, we're not infants that need to be fed, that we actually bring food to the table at times, that we can feed ourselves because we know how to study in the truth of the scripture and that we don't just do that but we can also teach others one of the things that i did this last week with my wrestling team is i actually took a couple of the more experienced wrestlers and i paired them with the inexperienced wrestlers because i know and you know that you learn so much more when you teach than when you're sitting there learning and so i I took that opportunity for them to try and share of course i hung out to see if they did anything wrong But they, for the most part they did everything really really well but when they're teaching they they notice things that they never noticed before and how they do things and why they do things and that's important oftentimes church to take the next step in our faith means that we need to get involved means that we need to start moving forward and we just just learn and pick up so much more because it, it's not cool to be a Christian for 30 years and to remain in infancy. not cool in this life either. I was at Ruby Rose Market, which is my sister and sister-in-law's store uh, uptown by Cabin Fever, and while we were in there, there was a, a lady that walked in and she bought a basket. Um, and she bought this basket for her husband uh, because for Christmas he had gotten uh, a new PlayStation. And so she wanted something that he could put all that stuff in because it was all over the living room and she didn't want to have to look at it all the time. And it was really a fun conversation. She was a, a fun lady. But on her way out, she made this statement. There is nothing more attractive than a 30-year-old on his PlayStation. And, and, you know, we chuckle at that because it's true, right? It's like, I mean, in her words, I mean, what she's saying is, you know, it's just sometimes, you know, you, you, you got to grow up. But she was just goofing off, and it was fun. But there's a reality to that, isn't it? There's a time when it's like, hey, you know what, I'm 30. I'm <laughs> You know i don't get to spend my entire life playing video games i have to work you know i have to pay bills i have to be a participant and that's the same way it is in in our spiritual life you know it's sad when we see that we don't we don't want to look at each other that way but we have to be participants time to grow up sometimes it's time to be a participant it's time to step out and it's time to do things physical growth happens on its own mental and spiritual growth They are choices, and and we have people that are just refusing to grow up, and and we need to grow up. We need to learn to grow up. Philippians 2, 1 through 8, last um, scripture I want to read before uh, communion, because I think it's important here. It says, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any communion if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility value others above yourselves. I mean, I'm just going to stop right there, and you can read on and read the rest of this, but think about this. He's saying this, listen, if if you found any value in in Christ, and we know this, Christ came and he humbled himself, and that's what the next section says, he humbled himself and became a man, and he went all the way to the cross to experience death for us, and if you've experienced any encouragement in that, you are to be like-minded, putting other people's interests above your own, and, and, and that, and when I see that, and I see, hear about that, I think that, that is growth right there, that is maturity right there. You see, when you're an infant, you are all about yourself. When you're a toddler, you're all about yourself. The Toddlers say mine more than almost any other word out there. You have to teach them to share. They don't just share on their own. And maybe yours did. My, My kids never did. They did not just share on their own. It has to be taught. But as they grow up and as they mature, we see them actually starting to make sacrifices for other people because they understand that the world doesn't revolve around them. And Christ, who gave give us the perfect example, humbled himself, became a man, and went all the way to the cross for our sins. And he tells us to have the same mind as him, to put others' interests above our own, so to do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but to consider other people higher than we consider ourselves. And I think that's, that's so much maturity right there, and that's what we want to do. So I want to take the time this morning, before we get into two songs, and I want us to take communion because I want us to remember what Christ did for us and and use that as motivation for us to move for him. That's what I want to do. And so we're going to take communion right here. The band is going to do two songs. You you will be able to during uh, this time to take communion at your own pace. Uh, we encourage you as a family or by yourself or whatever to come up here grab uh, the wafer and the cup and you can take it here or you can take it back to your seat and and take it and 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 then uh, worship uh, as we get into worship and so that's how i want you to do that and i encourage you to do that during this time first corinthians 11 says this for i received from the lord what i also passed on to you the lord jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Father, we thank you for the bread. We praise you for the bread of life, which is Jesus, that was broken for us. Praise you in Jesus' name, amen. And then he said this, in the same way after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, You proclaim the Lord's death until he come. Lord, we thank you for the blood that was shed for us. And we know without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And Lord, we know that that was the ultimate sacrifice that was paid for us. We pray that that is deep-seated in our spirits to motivate us, not to earn your favor, but to motivate us to do your works. We praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, If you... I've never seen these before. Uh, we have these out front on the sofa table which you know i keep one in my bible and i read through it every once in a while and it's just got a little bit of of a card that says family christian center and on the inside it talks about exactly who we are and what we do uh, here at family christian center and when we're talking about you know you belong and we're talking about it with that question mark you know the idea is that you have been invited Um, are you participating uh, with the body of believers are you involved with the body of believers are you really diving in with, with, the, with the body of believers. Are you being built up and are you building up? And so if you look on this on the back, which I know most of you don't have one, uh, we passed them out a couple of times, but like I said, they're out there uh, on that uh, sofa table. But it says here who we are. We are a family uh, for the broken. And last week I talked about what that means a little bit, but we are a family uh, for the broken. What do we do? We help people find and follow Jesus. He is the head. We are the bride of Christ. And so together we are the body that comes underneath uh, that head. And so uh, we help people find and follow Jesus. What we do, or how will we do it? We reach the lost, engage in community, build up believers, and empower the church. Why do we do it? We do it because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And that no man comes to the Father except through him. That's why we do it. And so that's what we're talking about. We're talking about how uh, this, this month, we're talking about how we fit and how we participate and how we really, really belong. Not, not the are we invited, because I hope we've established in the past that we are invited. But you're not just invited, you are a participant, which means that you have duties as a believer that you are supposed to follow. And one of those is what we're gonna talk about today, and that is reaching the lost. One of our jobs as Christians and as believers is to reach out to those that do not know Jesus. And it's funny because, you know, we have as, as humans a whole bunch of categories that we put different people in based on age, based on race, based on sex, those types of things. But, but God seems to only have two, lost and found. And those are the two that it seems like you find in in so many sections of Scripture. I once was lost, and now I'm found. And and that's what we want to do, is we want to take people, because we were once lost, and now we're found, and we want to help people that are lost be found. And reached people, reach out to people. Found people, find people. That's what we do. It's part of our job as believers. And we can see that here in Scripture, Matthew 28. 19 and 20. It says this, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the end of the ages. Okay, we see this therefore at the very beginning of that sentence, and, and, and we've been taught from early ages that you need to ask, you know, what the therefore is there for. What is the therefore there for? And the sentence before that, he says, All power on heaven and in earth has been given to me. This is Jesus. All power in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Now, I think this is interesting, right? Because this once again just goes to show that God's put, God puts processes, plans in place, and he does not violate them. Jesus has all power on heaven, in heaven, and on earth. Meaning if he wants to, he can make disciples. Like literally make them because he has the power. But what does he choose to do? He chooses to use people to reach people. That, that's, that's the process that he created. He tells his disciples to go and make disciples. I have all the power, but I'm picking you. You go out and you make disciples and we can direct people towards the heavenly father and then he goes on and doesn't just say make disciples but he says teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you teaching them to obey which we don't like that word obey very much it's a challenging word obedience is tough when we think of obedience we think of toddlers we don't think of adults but we as adults still need to be obedient don't we we still have to follow our father our heavenly father That's what we're supposed to do. And we never, ever, ever stop being students. We never, ever stop learning. We always move forward, and and, and we get to the place where, of course, we are reaching out to others. So God, in his great wisdom, has chosen people to find people. And then he says here, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That is encouraging, isn't it? Because not only is he with us, but we see in the previous two verses that he has all the power. So it's not about you and it's not about your power, it's not about your strength. It's about his power and his strength. And our story is is to direct people to his story. That's what it's supposed to do. And so we're supposed to lead people that way. So our testimony, it's not really ours, it's all about his. And what he has done through us so i wrote down here five common myths about evangelism and these are the things that i want to talk about with us myth number one is it's not my job which i'm hoping that that we've seen that uh in the scripture already that if you are a disciple of jesus you are to make disciples if you are a christian you are to lead people to christ yes there is the gift of evangelism yes there are pastors teachers apostles and prophets but what we said earlier is those guys are to equip the saints for the work of service. They're to equip the saints to find unity faith and faith in maturity. That's what we're supposed to do. That's what they're supposed to do. And so it is our job, all of our job. And there are people, and, I, and I've, I've come across people that have like the gift of evangelism where they can just, they can just minister. They can, they can share the gospel with people. And, and it's just amazing uh, that people respond to it. But that does not give us an excuse to never do it as a believer we are supposed to share our faith with others and 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 we are afraid and this is the truth we are afraid at times that you know like like we're going to offend people but the reality is this that there is a heaven and that there is a hell and that there is every person is gonna spend eternity in one of those two places and if your best friend hops in a car that you know is going to explode and they are going to die, you're going to do whatever it takes to stop them. Whatever it takes. And, And we so often, we look at this, and we know that there's a heaven, we know that there's a hell, and for some reason, we are afraid to share that truth with other people. And I think to myself, if you really believe, if you really believe that there is a heaven and there is a hell and that people will spend eternity in one of those two thing, two places that wouldn't you do everything in your power to make sure the people that you love don't go to hell? Wouldn't you do that? And I don't know how we could not believe that if we read the scripture. Jesus himself talks about those places. So we know that it's there and it's a reality and so it is our job and that we need to share our faith with other people common myth number two, I have to have all the answers. If you have to have all the answers to do anything, you will literally do nothing, right? Because none of us have all the answers. We don't. And I don't know is a viable answer for a question that you don't know. And I would encourage you to say that because people will respond with things. And you say, you know what, I don't know. And I love it. There's a section in the scripture where where there's a blind man who says, you know what, I don't know. They asked why what power did this happen to goes, you know what i don't know all i know is i was once blinded and, and now i can see that's what i know and, and your story does not have to have all the answers to it all i know is i once was lost i once was drowning in sin i once was depressed and had issues and now i have the peace of god that passes understanding that's all i know well what about this i don't know i'm just telling you what i know is I was once lost, I was once confused, I was once drowning in my sin, and now I have a desire and a peace to follow my Lord and Savior. That's what I know. It's okay to say, I don't know. You don't have to have all the answers. We don't have to. And we never will. We never will. Number three, I'm too new to the faith. That's number three. Oftentimes we think you know, we're not mature enough to share our faith to share what God has done in our hearts and lives. And I would say that that seems, I don't don't necessarily believe that to be true because oftentimes newer believers still have and are close to unsaved people and they have an opportunity to speak and to share into those lives that they normally wouldn't get to. And so it can be very, very valuable. Plus there's a fire and an excitement and, and I love it, I love it. So I want you to be wise, because the Bible is clear that bad company corrupts good morals, meaning that you need to be very, very careful not to hang out in environments that are going to cause you to sin and stumble and get you into trouble. But at the same time, you're never too new to the faith to share your faith. You're not. And once again, if you really understand number two, that you don't have to have all the answers, number three is okay. Well, just last week you were, you know what, I don't know. You're right, I was. But today, you know, I'm standing here before you as a different person saying that Jesus changed me. And that is okay. Myth number four, living a godly life is evangelism enough. I I think this is interesting because we've taught a long time and we teach it to to people because we're afraid of, you know, um, uh, being offensive that, you know, you know what, you don't just share your faith, you just live a godly life. Well, you know, it's funny because we don't usually use that approach in too many other areas where there's danger, right? Where there's a eternity, heaven, hell situation where there's life or death, blessing or cursing. We don't usually use that. In fact, if you came into my house as a burglar because the Bible tells us that the thief, the enemy, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Steal, kill, and destroy. Say that three times and you'll say steal, kill, and whatever. Anyways, steal, kill, and destroy. But he has come that you might have life and have it more abundantly if a burglar comes into your house and and is trying to damage your home and mistreat your children are you going to sit there and be like well at least I'm living a godly life I mean no I have a steel t-ball bat beside my bed that is going to end up in somebody's face it's gonna happen right because why I'm there to protect I, I no the enemy doesn't get my kids the enemy doesn't get my home the enemy doesn't get my friends and I'm not gonna sit back and, and and allow lives to be destroyed and just live myself a godly life now I'm not I'm not saying that you know you you need to be just completely verbally abusive but your words matter and you need to share your faith vocally That it's not just about living a godly life. It is about that. But it's about sharing why. It's not just enough. Use your words, use them, and and be discerning with those. The last one that I have here is that I'm all alone. Um, Another thing that I said, and and Morgan liked it better, was was that I am responsible for other people's salvation. And, And that is just, that's not true. You are responsible to be obedient to the word. That's what you're responsible for. Meaning that you go and you preach the gospel and you teach people. And if they choose to go a different direction, that's, that's, on, that's on them. And that you're not all alone in your faith. You're not all alone. I, believe me, there are not, you are not the only Christian at your workplace. And some of you will be like, yes, I am. I am the only Christian at my workplace. You're, you're probably not. And the fact, when you start sharing your faith a little bit, it's always amazing to me how many people will come out and say, you know what, I, I believe too. And I remember that early on in, in school because, you know, in, in junior high, which I think junior high is rough for everybody, but in myself in junior high, I had a rough uh, walk with the Lord. I did not do uh, the best things. But when I was a freshman, I decided, you know, I, I'm going to live for the Lord and I'm not just going to be a consumer when it comes to my faith, I'm not going to live off my parents' faith, I'm going to have my own faith, and I'm going to go to youth group, and I'm going to go to Bible studies on my own, and I'm going to study on my own, and I'm going to help uh, mentor and teach on my own, and we started a prayer group at, at school, and we did little things together, and it was amazing to me on when, when that just started, like first week, three of us, second week, 15, fourth week, 45 people, why? And, and we didn't even know there were that many Christians at school. Because nobody ever talked about it. But once one person starts to stand up and be like, listen, I'm a Christian. This is who I am. Other people start to do it as well. And then you have a whole bunch of people. And you'll be surprised how you are not alone. You're not alone. It's amazing how many people are believers out there. I want to show you this scripture as we close. And this is the last scripture that I'm going to read today. It's Ephesians 6 and this is paul paul making this statement and i think this is really good for us to hear paul is the man that is known for writing most of the new testament he also is the man that started the faith for most gentiles people outside of the jewish nation he was probably one of the greatest if not the greatest evangelism evangelists of all time he really, really reached people. And, you know, you have maps of his ministry in your Bible and the things that he, he had done and, and accomplished. And one time here in Ephesians, he, he says this. and I, it's 19, pray also for me that when I speak, whenever I speak, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. Why did he pray to fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel? I mean, because even he, who was known as this incredible evangelist, he experienced fears and doubts when it came to this. He experienced it. I mean, it's the only reason that you could really pray for that, right? He was, he was put in prison. He was beaten, abused, totally mistreated for his faith. And through all that, he had to pray That he would be used and that he would be fearless in making known the mystery of the gospel and it goes on in the next verse to say for which I am an ambassador in chains like I'm already in prison for it pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should you see if you think that you're gonna go out and and you're gonna be able to do this without fear we know that that's wrong right Because when we start doing things, things are awkward, things are difficult, it's challenging, we don't know what to do, we don't know what to say, we don't know how to do it, we don't know how to say it. I encourage you to make this prayer this week your prayer this week. Lord, give me, right here, the very first one, the words that I need to speak, the words that need to be given to me, and Lord, help me to be fearless in my delivery. Pray that whenever I speak, words may be given to me and that I may be fearless in my delivery. Just ask for that this week. Lord, I pray that you will show me somebody that I can speak to and put the words in my mouth to share my faith and give me the courage to go over and to do it. Just one person. One person this week, Lord. Give me one person. Give me an opportunity to share my faith, give me the words to speak, and help me to be fearless in doing it. That's where we're gonna start this week. Let's start our growth, let's start our maturity with that prayer every single day. I hope you're uh, getting involved with us in the prayer and fasting and the devotionals uh, that were written out there. Sean's gonna talk a little bit more about that. We do 21 days of fasting Um, and and we we cap it off with our our united service, and it's just an incredible time of worship uh, together. But I encourage you to do that, and I encourage you to this week make that part of your prayer. Father, we are so thankful for who you are and what you've done in our hearts and lives. Lord, I ask that you will continue to lead us. Father, we want your heart and our heart to be knit together. And we know that, that your will is for none to perish, and so, Father, we want that to be ours as well. And Lord, as we see people heading down that path for destruction, give us the passion and desire to do the things necessary to help them see your truth. We thank and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.